Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. You to turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. And what we are doing is putting together a couple of tapes that will help us understand certain steps that we should take and also understand certain truths when it comes to divine healing. Sunday nights are usually dedicated to the subject of divine healing and health. We believe it's important to stay up on top. I don't know about you, but it's good to be healed. It's good to be whole. It's good to be physically sound and whole. Wouldn't you agree to that? Just find yourself lying in a hospital bed somewhere in agonizing pain, and you'll say, yes, amen, it's good to be healed. It's good to be whole. It's good to be free. Why is it that we are the way we are? We take for granted what we have until we lose it. And then once we lose it, then we realize how valuable it truly was or is. Amen? Seems that's the way it is. And we don't really give attention to the things we should be giving attention to until the a need arises or an emergency arises. Well, God wants us to stay up on top of things. That way we'll prepare, be prepared whenever anything comes our way. And so what we're doing is teaching along the lines of divine healing and sharing some healing tips. I did want to put together a tape just on confession of the Word of God because we know that confession has its place but doesn't take the place of understanding other important truths. See, we're not healed just by one way. There are certain things that must be taught to the human spirit and put within the human spirit that allow healing to flow. And if we don't have those truths being alive and active within our human spirit, then we can block healing. We can stop the power of God from flowing. So I'm not going to take the time to reiterate the first few points, the first four. Anyhow, I'll reiterate the fifth point and then we'll pick up from there. But last week we talked about some healing tips and we went through five of them. We started number five and we'll pick up right there. Number five being learn how to use your faith to receive your healing. Once you've discovered other things, knowing the will of God, understanding the, the importance of the inner cause being greater than the outer effect. Once you've realized you have to prepare your heart before you pray, now you realize that it's important that you know how to exercise your faith to receive healing. Because James teaches us that... Now remember, it's whether it's healing or anything else that you need. Whatever it is you need to receive from God, you have to receive by faith. We just use healing because we're talking about that. But whether it's finances, whether it's deliverance for your mind, whatever the situation may be, direction that you need, wisdom that you need, James said, let him ask in faith nothing wavering. Because he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not this, this, this double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man even think that he will receive anything from the Lord. So whatever it is that we need to receive from the Lord has to come by faith. So since it comes by faith, we have to know what faith is and have to understand how to receive by faith. 
See, if we're wishy-washy in faith, if we're not understanding how faith operates, then doubt and unbelief can enter in and we can begin to waver like the wave of the sea. If there was no chance of us wavering, he wouldn't say don't waver and don't doubt and don't get into unbelief. But we know that unbelief is around every corner. It's surrounding us. It's hemming us in from every side, keeping us locked up in bondage to our five physical senses. We don't want to step out of that boat because we're secure in that boat. We don't want to step out of that boat of security being led by the five physical senses and dominated by their dictates out into the water of the Word of God where we only have the, the Word of God to stand upon. We have no other foundation, but thank God it is a sure foundation, isn't it? I said it is a sure foundation, isn't it? God's Word is a sure foundation. Praise God for the sure foundation of His Word. We can depend upon the Word of God. And so we have to learn how faith works. If we don't understand the, the process of faith and how it works, then we can be shortchanged when it comes to receiving from God. Unbelief and doubt can cause us to waver. And when we waver, then the Bible says, let not that man think he's going to receive anything from the Lord. And so it's important to understand how faith works. And if you're going to understand the subject of faith, you have to find Mark 11:23 and 24. And in verse 23, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And that's called the law of faith. It is a spiritual law. It is not a magical formula. It is a spiritual law. And the only way I can say what I want to say is by saying it this way. Let the Spirit of God teach you about that spiritual law. I can say many things about it. You can read Brother Hagin's books about it. You can read Brother Kenyon's books about it. But you know what? It doesn't become light to you until you get before the Holy Ghost and say, Spirit of God, quicken on me according unto the Word. What's this mean to me? Enlighten me. Open up the eyes of my understanding that I may know, that I may understand. See, when it came to that text, that verse of Scripture, Mark eleven twenty three and Mark eleven twenty four, which, by the way, is the, the prayer of faith. See, one's the law of faith, but the other one is the prayer of faith. It was the Spirit of God that taught me. I mean, I thank God that I had a shortcut because I can go to, to some of the certain books that taught about faith and I can get there by shortcut, pointing out those particular truths. But it was the Spirit of God that gave revelation. It was the Spirit of God that taught me how to act upon the Word. I remember one time, I didn't understand how to act upon that Word for financial assistance. But the Spirit of God rose up big in me in that more authoritative voice and said, You've got to believe you receive, just like you do for your healing. You've got to believe you receive finances before you see finances, and then you'll have finances. Let me say that again. You've got to believe you've received finances before you see finances, that you may have finances. And so then I saw it, clear as a bell. I said, I see it now. And it was the Holy Ghost doing it. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like the Holy Ghost teaching you. Thank God He can teach us through others, through teaching gift. But it's, it's, He is the one still that's quickening the truth inside our spirits. He quickens us according to the Word. He makes it alive within us. He has to have something to work with. And so you see, when we get a hold of the Word of God by the Spirit of God, it becomes a living thing inside of us, and then we know how to accurately act upon that Word. So Mark eleven twenty three is the is the is the law of faith. Mark eleven twenty four is the prayer of faith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive. And one translation says, believe you have received them, and ye shall have them. And what this is dealing with is a realm in which we cannot see. Hear, taste, touch, or smell. It is dealing with another realm. As I said, it's like getting out of the security boat of the five physical senses into another realm, like going into outer space or walking on the water where there's nothing beneath us to hold us up. 
Because by nature, man cannot walk on the water unless it's solid ice. But just walking out there on the water, he's going to sink unless there's another higher law set in motion or an operation. So these are spiritual laws. They are not magical formulas. Some think, just because I've learned how to quote the Scripture, that it's going to be something that's very magical. Well, I've got to just, just learn it and say it and do it. No, you cannot mimic or copy somebody else. We have to learn about these truths for ourselves. So you see, although we can have a shortcut to get to the Scriptures to find out where they are, and hear some things about how they've operated in other people's lives, there's no shortcut when it comes to it becoming revelation to us. It requires meditation in the Word. So remember this. It is a spiritual law. The law of faith, the prayer of faith, principles that we have to set in motion through the wisdom of God. So there isn't anything that's going to be magical when it comes to learning how to operate in faith. It's going to take diligence. That's why he said, without faith it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of them that diligently, not slothfully, seek him. So we must be diligent in our study of the Word of God to find out how faith works and how it operates within our lives. So the first thing we have to understand is that faith needs a foundation upon which to stand. Faith is not a leap. And make note of it. Number one, if you desire to receive your healing, and remember, this is also for others who are out there who may listen to the tape. If it's your desire to, to be healed, maybe you have a, uh, had been given a bad report uh, and you're in trouble physically. Your life is in danger. Well, we, we want to make it as, as compact as we can, as simple as we can. We'll try to touch some of these truths. And you're going to have to write them down and, and ask the Holy Ghost to quicken these things inside your heart and in your mind. But it's an effort to help you get there a little bit more quickly. So, number one, write it down. Faith has to have a foundation upon which to stand. A basis, in other words. The basis of our faith. What is it? A foundational basis for our faith is the Word of God. What God has said, not an experience, not a physical manifestation. God's Word and God's Word alone is the basis for our faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Jesus said you have to dig deep into my Word and lay the foundation of your life upon solid ground. In other words, the way you're going to believe and how you're going to act must be according to my Word and you're going to have to dig deep into my Word, listen to my sayings, and then lay the foundation of your life upon this solid ground. Find out what God said about the subject. And if we're not interested in finding out what God has spoken or God has said about the subject, then we're not really interested in receiving from God by faith. God has given us the means whereby to obtain faith. And if we do not obtain faith, then it's our fault because we have the means whereby to obtain it. So it's important we understand that truth and then we become diligent to seek and search out the Word of God so that we can have this knowledge and, and lay a foundation for our lives. And too many have acted upon somebody else's faith or somebody else's testimony. And we thank God for what God has done in everybody else's life. But you know what? What's important is, what do I know about the Word of God? I can't base my faith upon what somebody else has done. I can't ba base my faith on somebody else's healing, somebody else's deliverance. They did this or they did that, and since they did it, I'm going to do it also. I've got to base my faith upon what God has spoken and said. It's the same message, it's the same gospel, it's the same Jesus, it's the same redemption, it's the same Father, Holy Ghost, and Word. And it's to you and it's to me. 
And God's no respect of persons. He has no favorites. If we'll just decide in our lives that we're going to find out what the Word of God says for ourselves, God will put us by His Spirit and change us from within. And so we see here that God's Word instructs us. And make note of this. God's Word is alive. It's active. It's, a, it, it's an energizing force. It's operative. God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's going to divide between spirit and soul and joint and marrow. It's a deserter of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In other words, it's going to just reach our innermost being and pierce our very hearts and separate the joint of the marrow, uh, the spirit and the soul. Someone said this about faith. There's 18 inch difference between faith and mental sin, and it's from here to here. It's getting it from here to here. We, got it. we have to get the Word of God that we understand intellectually or intelligently down here to understand it and perceive it spiritually. For you see, faith is not an intellectual force. Faith is a spiritual force that must flow out of the recreated human spirit. That's what faith is. It is not intelligently or intellectually acting upon the Word of God alone because that becomes only an intellectual force, an emotional force. And we cannot fight spiritual forces with, with emotional or physical weapons. We must use the force of faith that flows out of or from the recreated human spirit as it is meditating in the Word of God. And so we must look at these scriptures and write them down if you didn't get them last week. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 talk about Jesus bearing our sickness and carrying our pains. On Calvary's cross, this is the message. It's time to get our eyes off of the methods only and get them on back onto the message. The message is more important than the method. Thank God for every method of healing, but the message of healing is more important. For without the message of healing, we wouldn't have any need for the methods. So make note of that. I've got to discover the message of healing, the message of the gospel. And the message is this. The reason why we can be healed, which becomes the basis for our faith, is due to the fact that God the Father laid upon Jesus our sicknesses, our diseases, our mental anguish, and our sin. God the Father placed upon Jesus, and that's what Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 teach us, and it's important that we for ourselves meditate those scriptures. And you'll see the same truth reiterated in Matthew 8:17. Here we have Matthew the apostle looking back in the gospel and saying that Jesus himself bore our sicknesses, and carried our pains. They brought unto him many that were sick, and those who were oppressed of the devil, possessed of the devil, and he healed them all, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He, Jesus himself, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. This becomes the foundation for what we believe. And then 1 Peter 2.24 once again does the same thing, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And we believe that part. That we, being dead to sin, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You notice that point, that most important point there, being dead to sin? And what that refers to is this. Just as a dead person can no longer give in to any of his five physical senses, likewise, we reckon ourselves dead unto sin. We don't respond when it comes to sin. And that's what, what is taught to us when we understand righteousness. We want to walk righteous and holy before God, so we want to be dead to sin. We don't respond to it, just like a dead person can't respond to, to anyone speaking to him or her. We don't respond to it, so we don't want to respond to sin. We understand that part of it, but it goes on to say that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. 
If we're not interested in finding out what that means, then we're not really interested in developing a strong life of faith when it comes to healing and being free from sickness and disease. So it's important, if you're listening out there, it's important to get a hold of what has been spoken and what has been said and meditate that for yourself because it must mean something to you. I remember one time when I was challenged along these lines when I first started, started studying the subject of divine healing and health. I just said after I found Psalms 103 verses 1 through 5 when it says, He forgives all of our iniquities and healeth all of our diseases. I find myself saying, you know, it doesn't really matter to me what other people believe. What matters to me is if Jesus' blood was shed for me to be free from sickness and disease, I don't want to let His shed blood fall to the earth in vain. That's what I said. It didn't matter to me. That's what was important to me. Not what others believed, but whether or not His blood was shed for that very purpose. And if His blood was shed for that very purpose, I wanted to be free from sickness and disease. What about you? Amen. For the price that He paid was, a, was an awesome price. And thank God that He did it for us. So it all goes back to Jesus. It all goes back to what He has done for us. Another scripture being Galatians 3 and 13 that tells us that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. Someone says, I don't understand that language. Well, it's time to start understanding it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Find out what the curse of the law was. And if you'll, if you'll study, you'll find out that the curse of, of the law means every sickness, every disease written in the book of the law, and also every sickness and every disease not written in the book of the law shall come upon you. And it names all kinds of them. You can find them all listed back there in Deuteronomy chapter 28, 15, right on through 61. All kinds of them. Sicknesses and diseases. Well, Christ redeemed us from that by becoming the curse for us. You know, if that's true, that should mean more to us than anything else. The very fact that He bore it and became uh, the curse for us should be more to us than even our being healed. Did you know that? My goodness, He did. See, the Jews believed that if a man died upon the cross, he was cursed of God. And that's why they didn't believe in Jesus. How could a Savior, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, die cursed of God? doesn't make any sense. Well, He was their stumbling block. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't figure Him out. But Paul, writing to the church over there, at uh, the church, the Galatian church said to them, yeah, you're right, he did die as a curse, under, under a curse, curse of God, but not for himself. It wasn't because he was a curse for himself. It wasn't because he was wrong, or it wasn't because he was uh, in rebellion when it comes to serving God. Someone had to become the curse for you and me. Thank God he did. And he got their theology straight. Said, yes, he died accursed of God, but he did it for you and me. And you know what, beloved? If we just discover that, it'll set you free. It'll make you free. All that it means. And hold it dear to your heart. There's where faith really comes. By understanding these truths. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Study that out. Find out what it means for yourself. Pick up some good books on the subject. Brother Hagin has a book called Redeem. Pick it up. Study it. Find out what it means. And then Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. We, we talked about that. Who forgiveth all of our iniquities and healeth all of our diseases, redeems our life from destruction, and crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, and satisfies our mouth with good things that our youth is renewed like the eagles. In other words, not only does He want us healed, but He also wants our strength to be renewed just like the eagles, so that we can live to be a ripe old age, full of health and vitality and strength. Thank God. That's what the truth says. And then Psalms 107 and verse 20 is another scripture you want to look at. And it says, He sent His word and healed us and delivered us from all of our afflictions. So faith needs a foundation. And if you're bored with those scriptures, you see, then something's wrong between you and God. 
Those scriptures should excite you today as the first time you ever heard them. Did you know that? If you find yourself becoming bored with the Word of God, then something is wrong. Rekindle the fire. Amen. Stir up the gift of God within you. Develop a better attitude toward the Word of God because you know why? Because your attitude toward the Word of God will determine the place that God holds in your life. And if our attitude, you know, is waning when it comes to the importance of the Word of God in our lives and something is happening on the inside, let that be a spiritual indicator to you that something is happening on the inside. Your spirit man is lacking somewhere because our spirit man should be alive, full of life. It should be hungry after the Word of God. Amen. And so God's Word should be fresh. Now, secondly... After you've meditated the Word of God and you've flooded your spirit with the Word of God and faith has come because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, it is very important that you set a time to receive your healing. See that other scripture in Mark eleven twenty four said, What things ever you desire when you pray, believe at the time of prayer. Believe you have received them and ye shall have them. Notice it implies that there will be a time lapse between the time you believe you have received them and the time you actually have them. And by having them, it means in the natural realm. And I need to clarify something here. We need to set a time to receive from God because at that particular time, we have received our need met. At the time of prayer, we actually have received our need met. We've received it in the spiritual realm. Why is it so hard to believe that we can receive something in the spiritual realm just because we can't see it? Why is that? Did you ever have your, your wife or you ever call your wife up and say, Honey, so-and-so's in the hospital. I want you to send some flowers. And you say, Okay. And so you call up on the phone. You order the flowers. You call back and say, Honey, I did it. It's already done. Well, they haven't even left the flower shop yet. But in your mind, it's already a settled fact. It's as good as if those flowers were right there in that room. Isn't that true? It's just as good as if they were right there in that room. You know that. Sure. Because we believe. We have faith. We know the process. We know what's going to happen. Well, that's already taken care of. That's already done. Took care of it, honey. It's already done. Well, it's not completely done. But you believe it's already done. And it's a settled issue in your mind. Well, why can't we believe that we receive something in the spirit realm, even though we don't see it or feel it in the natural realm? Make note of it. We've got to get out of that boat of security when it comes to our sense knowledge and step out on the water of God's Word and believe some things that we don't see. It's leaving one realm, going into another realm, and learning how to operate in it. That's what faith is all about. And how many of you know that God wants us to live the faith that's why we stress faith so much. I know some people get bored with it, but beloved, the just shall live by faith. The just operate in faith. We walk by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We please God by faith. We're sanctified by faith. Set apart by faith. We stand by faith. We have access to God by faith. Thank God for faith. We remove mountains with faith. Nothing is impossible to us by faith. If we have faith, Jesus said. Faith is important to our lives. And it involves an adventure in a realm in which we are not too much familiar with. It's getting out of the security boat of sense knowledge, stepping into a realm like outer space, exploring something that we're not too much familiar with. 
I don't know. Can I trust? Just saying I believe I received something? Well, the better the heart is prepared in the Word and the stronger the faith is when it's released, yes, you can do that. So number two is when it comes to understanding faith, number one is to meditate in the Word of God, get a hold of the Word of God and build a foundation for your life of faith and for what you're going to do. But then secondly, it's very important that we set a specific time that we are going to receive our need met. We will actually believe that something is done. Not going to be done. See, faith and hope are two different forces. Hope is always in the future. It points to the future. Faith is in the past and in the present tense. If we speak in the future and make reference to the future when it comes to receiving something from God, then in actuality we are not in faith. We are still in hope. So when you make your point of contact, you set your time that you're going to receive from God. At that point, we must employ or use Mark 11:24 and the prayer of faith. It is a point of contact. It is a time that we choose to leave the boat of security when it comes to sense knowledge and we begin to walk out on the water of the Word knowing that the Word will uphold us, maintain us, sustain us and propel us and that it is true eternally. And cannot fail us. We make a willful decision, an intelligent decision, a spiritual decision to believe that at that point of contact we have received something that as of yet we do not feel, we do not see, we cannot touch. That's what faith is all about. It's a time that I'm prayed for, or it's a time I pray by myself. It's a time two come together, or three come together, and decree something as being done upon the earth. You can go to an altar and say, when hands are laid upon me, at and whatever time it is, I will receive my healing. But your receiving it will be in the spirit realm. I believe I have received my healing at the point of contact, whenever it was that you prayed. But notice faith is also in the present tense. What some do when they go away from that place of prayer, they wonder, well, now what should my confession be? Because if I say that I have received my healing and it's yesterday and today is today, some people will think I'm crazy. Well, beloved, first of all, you can't be crazy acting on the Word of God. Did you know that? Let God be true and every man be a liar. But here's the point. Faith is also in the present tense. To be accurate, you can say, yesterday I was prayed for at such and such a time. At that point, I believe I received my healing. And of course, you know you're speaking in a spiritual sense. Because in the spiritual realm, which is a real realm, you actually have received it. Therefore, God's power is working in me now. That's present tense, isn't it? Now. Now is present tense. God's power is at work within me now. Thank God for it. And see, you're being accurate in what you are saying. But the point of contact is a very important part of faith. One reason, another reason why many fail 
to be strong after prayer has been prayed is because they don't take time to be specific with God in knowing when they release their faith. See, that gives you something to look to and to hold on to. At that time, I released my faith. At that time, I believed I received. And one translation says, go on believing you've received it and you will have it. Go on believing you received it and you will have it. This one lady had a goiter. And she understood this principle of faith. And she went for prayer. And it was getting bigger and bigger. And after she had prayed, she said, I believe I received my healing. And she went, of course, home and just thanked God that she believed she received her healing. And every opportunity, she would stand up in the congregation among the people and she'd say, So, at at such and such a time, on such and such a date, I believed I received my healing, and thank God that I'm healed. And this would go on, week after week, service after service, service after service. Finally, about a year went by, and this thing is as big as can be. Just as big as can be. And finally, she got chewed out because she stood up once again, just like she did so many times before, and she said, Thank God, I've received my healing. Thank God, I received my healing. But see, the congregation, they were going by sight. They weren't going by faith. This woman was going by faith. She wasn't going by sight. But on the inside, she knew that she received it. You see why faith is so intimate? Have faith between yourself and God. Because somebody could try to act like this and go and die. You don't know where a person's at. You don't know how accurate they're believing. But you know what this woman ended up doing? After they finally chewed her out. Don't you know you're embarrassing us? Boy, that's good support, isn't it? Don't you know you're embarrassing us? You stand up here with that big old thing, ugly, and, and here you are saying, I believe I received my healing. Can't you look in the mirror and see? Well, she went home. And she said, Lord, I know I believe I, re- I, know I received my healing. But would you open up their eyes that they may see it too? And that woman, that thing went, she was totally manifested, totally healed right then. And she went back and she stood up and said, I thank God I received my healing. And all of a sudden they looked at her and said, oh yeah, now we see you're healed. What does that say though? How many people, how many really understand what's being taught when it comes to the message of faith? That woman for one year stood her ground. All that time, she refused to give in to any doubt, unbelief, or wavering. It didn't matter what she saw. It didn't matter what it looked like. She knew it. You see, how can I get to that point? Beloved, that's between you and God. We have to put out the principles. And I'll be quite frank about it. When it comes to my life, it's between myself and God. Between me and God. That's just the way it is. No matter who we are. That's why I say get a hold of this message and get as much faith as you can. You want a nugget to write down? Write it down. Get as hold as, as much faith as you can. Get as much faith as you can for every area of life. Not just healing. Get as much faith as you can. Learn how to operate in faith as much as you can. Because that's what's essential to our lives. That's what's, go- what's going to make us have a productive, successful, victorious life in Christ. Get as much faith as you possibly can and operate in it. So once again, we see an important truth here. Set a time for your healing because at that time 
you will receive it spiritually. Now, let me illustrate that point one more, a little bit longer before I go on to the next. When Jesus cursed that fig tree, things began to happen in an unseen realm. The tree did not die immediately, although the tree began to die immediately. His words of faith that cursed the tree hit the root of the tree, which is a realm that cannot be seen beneath the earth. And the process began. And before it could be seen in the natural realm, time went by. Jesus wasn't exuberant, excited, and joyful after he saw the, the, the leaves begin to wither. Because he knew, way back when he cursed it, that the tree was dead. Now, it hadn't manifested yet in the physical realm, but he wasn't even looking to that. And what was he doing when he did that? He taught his disciples the law of faith. He said, you marvel at this. But I'm telling you, as I spoke to that tree and cursed it and commanded it to die and said that no man would eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, if you have faith, have the faith of God. You say to that mountain, be thy removed and plug into the sea. Cast into the sea and don't doubt. And you're going to have whatsoever you say. He was teaching them the law of faith. Don't get into wavering. Don't get into doubt. Obviously, it can't always be instant because if it was, there would be no time to get into doubt, would there? There'd be no time to get into belief, would there? There'd be no time to waver, would there? No. So, once you set your time, you believe you receive, know the process has begun. And in order for the process to be consummated... We cannot get out of faith. We must remain in faith, believing we have received our need met. That's what we are to do. That's our part. So, let's go to the next step, number three then. When it comes to receiving by faith, then let's turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Now, we can give a message on each and every one of these points, but that's not our intention. We want to share some of these truths so as to help people to be reminded when it comes to receiving from God the faith. And others who are out there who have never been instructed, they can, they can learn some things that will help them. You see, more quickly, that is, rather than trying to get it on their own, you can listen to some of these truths and then build upon them. The third thing to do is after you believe that you have received whatever it is that your need was, is to begin to offer thanksgiving. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice the importance of this. Once you've prayed and believe that you've received, it is important not to worry or be fretful. It's important to be thankful and offer praise and to continue to let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. Not with petitioning, but with thanksgiving. And what that means is this. Father God, yesterday 
I had hands laid upon me, and I believe I received my healing. Therefore, today, I would just like to thank you that I have received my healing. I thank you that I am delivered and I am set free, just like that woman did. And she did it every day for a year. And to be quite honest about it and frank about it, what we have to do is we have to do it every waking moment. Every time the opportunity comes, something, the thought comes to your mind, offer thanksgiving to God. Father, I thank you that I have received my healing, and I bless and praise your holy name. That yesterday, I believe I was, I was praying for it, and I believe I received my healing, and I want to thank you for it right now. Why do you say thank you? Whenever someone does something for you, how do you usually respond? Thank you. Why do you say thank you? Because you appreciate what they did. You don't say thank you for what someone's going to do. You thank you because they decided to do something for you and they did it. And so someone gives you a gift. Here it is. It's in your hand now. What do you say? Thank you. I've received it now. Thank you. Thank you is in order. I appreciate it. If we truly believe that we have received whatever it is we ask God for, then what we'll do, and this isn't something that's manufactured. It is because of our spiritual perception we are exuberant and joyful on the inside knowing we really have received. And if we really have received something, we're going to express joy over it. See, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according unto His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He heareth us whatsoever we ask, then we know we have the petition we've desired of Him. Well, I know He heard me, and I know I have the petition. That's my confidence. My confidence is I know He heard me. Therefore, I know I have the petition. If I have it, I should be thankful. Oh, thank God I've received it. Thank God I've received it. If you've asked someone for $1,000 and they wrote you out a check and said, Here, here's $1,000, would you not be thankful? Would you not be grateful? Would you not be joyful? You absolutely would. Well, Father God wants us to see our receiving our need met just as clearly as we see that check for $1,000 in our hand. So that we could be just as joyful, and I'm saying not manufacturing it, we see it so clearly. You heard me, and I know I have it. Oh, thanks be to God I have it. Thank you, Father God, I have it. I'm, I'm not just manufacturing that. It's not something that's superficial. I know I have it. I'm delighting in you. Look how, how God does this. He's just so full of wisdom. He tells us to be thankful in, in making our request. Thank me. Thank me that you've received it. And as you thank God and praise God and you're excited about it, your heart's joyful, isn't it? And what is the joy of the Lord? It's our fortified place. You want to see how it becomes your fortified place? Right here. And the, very, and the peace of God, verse 7, that passes all understanding. As you begin to offer up thanksgiving and praise, as we worship and praise and thank God for what we have received... That joy becomes our fortified place to protect our what? Our hearts and minds from what? Doubt and unbelief entering in. We're protected. Can't get in to get us into doubt and unbelief through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we begin to think on things that are good and lovely, of good report. We think on those things. So now the process has begun. And through thanksgiving and praise, we keep the switch of faith turned on because praise and thanksgiving is the highest expression of our faith. Thank God I've received it. 
And like I said, it's not manufactured. You offer thanksgiving because you know that you have received. So with thanksgiving and praise, as it floods our minds and hearts, we have peace. God's peace rises up within us to protect us and keep us from entering into doubt and unbelief. And then fourthly, another principle. Fourthly, we have to understand confession of our faith. The importance of confession. See, you can't take one doctrine, one isolated doctrine, like, like the confession of our faith, and just say, I'm going to live just by that alone. Well, I'll just say it until I'm healed. Not if you have uh, aught in your heart, you won't. Because, you see, confession has its place, but it doesn't take the place of true heartfelt repentance, does it? But it's important that we understand the principle of confession of our faith. In Revelation 11, the Bible says that they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. In Hebrews 4.14, we are told to hold fast our confession of faith. And that, and that means to say the same thing. And so, in other words, it's very important that we not only thank God and praise Him for it, but continue to make every confession that we make something that will contribute to our faith life. Make it one of faith and not doubt and unbelief. Confess what you have and hold fast to your confession. Hold firm. Don't be removed. Don't allow the enemy to get us off of what we believe and get us out of faith. Hold fast to it just means to maintain your position and refuse to give up any ground or territory. Make sure that all that you say, everything that you say, all that you speak contributes to your faith life. Now, number five, and there's a whole lot to teach along those lines, but we'll just quickly go over these so we can get them all at number five, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 3 through 5. We talked about it this morning. As you offer thanksgiving and praise, and as you make your bold confession of faith, it's important to know that immediately the devil will come for the word's sake. Because the moment you begin to operate in that spiritual realm, he is aware of the fact that we are still bound up by our five physical senses, by a physical body that as of yet does not understand how to operate in that realm. And so he knows that if he can keep us in the physical and emotional realm, he can defeat us. But if we can keep him in the spiritual realm, we will defeat him. And so here's where the battle begins and where the battle takes place in this emotional realm. Number five is guard against every evil that comes into your mind. And that means guard against every suggestion, every image, every vision, every dream, every impression that comes against our minds to get us out of faith or something that does not contribute to our faith. And in the scripture we read, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God that are pulling down the strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. When our minds begin to be bombarded with thoughts that do not contribute to our faith and know that your body and your mind will lean more toward those thoughts than the thoughts of faith, It's important we begin to cast down those thoughts and imaginations knowing that they are exalting themselves up up above the knowledge of God. This is something that we have got to do for ourselves. No one else can do it for us. Thoughts will come against our minds. 
suggesting ideas that do not contribute to our faith and thoughts that do not agree with what we believe, but will agree with our feelings, may agree with the doctor's report, but will not agree with our faith. Here's where the battleground really takes place. Please make note of this. It's not only important to cast these thoughts out and pull down the stronghold, it's also important to refill ourselves with the Word once we cast them out. Some say, I cast them out, but they persist in staying. I cast them out, but they persist in staying. I rebuke them, but they persist in staying. What's the problem? Well, once we cast something out, we must replace it with something else. Otherwise, we still have that empty void there. When that thought comes, it looks like you're not going to make it. We want to rise up and say, I rebuke that thought for it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I refuse to allow that to become an image. I will not see myself as dying. I see myself as being whole. Then replace that with something else, such as the Bible says in Psalms 118 verse 17, I will live and not die and declare the works of God. God's words are life to me and health unto all of my flesh. He sent His word and healed me and delivered me of all my afflictions. And then begin to praise God. Fill yourself up with the Holy Ghost. See, that's generating miracle working power. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Begin to fill yourself up. Put something in, in other words, to keep that out. And it will not be very long before the enemy will have to flee. Why? He cannot stand in the presence of God. And when we begin to worship God and bless God and praise God and magnify God and speak His Word, He can't stay in that presence. Because in His presence, the enemy has to run and flee. He can't stand to be there in the presence of God. And so you see how these things are working together for our good, contributing to our faith life, and also enabling us to put up a resisting force against the powers of darkness. So here again we see that it's our responsibility and duty to cast down the thoughts and the images or imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought under the obedience of Christ. Don't permit a mental picture of failure in our minds, in other words. And it's easy to meditate on wrong things. It's easy to go over and over wrong things in our minds because we're more prone to do that than we are to... Think on spiritual things. Even though we don't realize that it's the same thing in reverse when we, when we meditate on the wrong things. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, we have a, an important scripture when it comes to these lines. And it says that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. And with that, look at the importance of that. The peace of God is to act as an umpire within our lives. Did you know that? Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Act as an umpire. And what it will do is it will call the shots. It will tell you what, can, what is in and what is out. This can stay in and that cannot stay in. You'll be disturbed when you hear things that are not contributing to your faith life. So the peace of God will act as an umpire. And as our minds are stayed upon Him by being stayed upon the Word of God, the peace of God will act as an umpire in our lives to rule this out and to say this can come in. It'll protect us. 
That's why the Bible says protect your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. It'll keep the power flow flowing till the healing process is consummated. Now, next, number six, is also very important, and that's found in John 2, 5. You don't have to turn to it. We'll just, just say it quickly. Do whatever He tells you to do. This is an important part of faith also. And you can just write it down this way. Act out your faith. Act out your faith. Faith has two components. Actually, there's three, but we're going to talk about two right now. Uh, Faith has, let's say, these two components that are very important at this point along these lines of which I'm teaching. And they are, number one, believe, to believe what we believe, and number two, how we act. The believing part and the acting part. Our believing can be right, our acting can be wrong, and we'll shut down faith and the power of God. But then again, our acting can be right, our believing can be wrong, and once again, we'll shut down the power of God. This is why it's very difficult to find out or discover where someone else is at. You can't tell them how to act. Well, just rise up and walk. Well, they may be right actions, but you know what? If the, if the belief is not there, they're going to fall right back on their face. As a matter of fact, I'll just tell you, I'll just, I'll just give you an illustration. This one fellow, I guess he thought he was Mr. Faith. You know, Mr. Big Faith went into a hospital room and said, I've got faith to remove mountains. I've got faith to raise the dead. I've got faith. I thank God for his boldness. But he went into the hospital room and said, You, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. Took this person out of bed, stood him up on, just, just like that there. And with all those tubes and everything else, that person collapsed to the floor. Had to call the nurses to come in and get this person back on that bed. Now, what kind of name does that give the faith message? Now, these people out on the outside, they say, these people are lunatics. I'll be quite honest about it. You know, that's not a good environment to get in and try to teach somebody how to, get, how to receive their healing. Did you know that? It's not a good environment. And we have to respect those people that are working with that person there. You won't find very often that God tells you to do something like that, to take somebody, pull them out of a bed with all those tubes going in there because you can be liable This person may have been acting, but he wasn't acting in faith. God didn't tell him to do it. What I'm saying is you can have your actions that seemingly may be right. You can have your belief. It has to be right. If you're not acting in line with your belief, and if it's not working together, you can act wrong and mess up the whole thing. You don't just go run around a church because someone tells you to. You don't just stand up and walk because someone tells you to. Whatsoever He saith unto you, do it. You believe right. Now say, Father, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? I'll act out my faith. See, faith must have the acting part. I'll act out my faith. Is there something specific you want me to do? I'll do it. If there isn't anything specific that He would have you to do, then act like you have it. To illustrate that very quickly, here was a woman. I don't suggest you do it, but she did it because she was acting out her faith. When she found out she had to believe she received her healing and that she was a joyful mother of children when she couldn't have children, she finally realized that it wasn't going to every meeting in the country to get hands laid upon me. It was beginning to to believe God and act out my faith, both components, putting them together. So you know what she did? She said, thank God I'm now healed. 
There was no baby. She said, thank God I'm, I'm healed. I'm, I'm delivered from this sickness. I'm, I have a baby. I'm a joyful mother of children. Thank God. Now, this is what she did. I don't suggest you do it if you're there. She went and got herself a high chair. She went and got herself some baby stuff. And she brought it into the house. And she started just, just acting as if she had a baby there in the house. And nine months later, she did. But you can go do that for five years and never have a baby in the house. Because, you see, they both have to line up. The believing part and the acting part. She was acting out what she believed in her heart. It was a personal experience that she had inside her heart with God in faith. So it's whatsoever He saith unto you to do, do it. You may be here in a healing line, hands laid upon you, and it just may come and rise up inside you. Now you just go ahead and move that arm up and down. It's okay if nothing comes. You can still act out your faith if you know you believe you received your healing just by acting like you're healed or doing something that, that you couldn't do before. But that's between you and God. But He also may tell you to do something specific. And if He does, then you just go ahead and do that. Now, I remember this one case. I'll tell you something. You, some of these things could actually... I don't want to say scary in a, in a negative sense. You know what I mean by that term, don't you? I know I want to be the one to do that. But this one fellow broke his ankle and twice tried to, tried to get up. They had hands laid on him. Didn't want to go to a hospital with, with a broken ankle. So I'd rather believe God. Just about passed out for the pain. It was so bad. Finally, the fellow laid hands on him and said, Lord, what shall we do? He said, well, well tell the fellow he's getting up on the good foot. Well, think about that one. But what do you want him to do, Lord? Get up on the bad one? Exactly. On the broken foot? And so he went back and told him, said, Lord, just told me to tell you. It's okay if the Lord tells you to tell him. But if the Lord didn't say to do it, it's wrong to say it. He said, Lord told me to tell you, you've got to get up on the bad foot. So the fellow jumped up and the bad foot hit the ground first. Can you imagine the excruciating pain he was already in? And the moment the foot hit the ground, all the bones snapped, just like snap, crackle, and pop. And the, and, the, and the foot was, and the ankle was healed instantly. Now, what if he hadn't acted that way? He wouldn't have received it. Probably had to go to the hospital get a cast, and all that. Do you see how touchy? Brother Kenyon said it this way, faith is a tender plant. Tender. Tender. He would not have received his miracle. Last, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And make, make definite note of this. You know, God has committed himself to honor your faith. No that God has committed Himself to honor your faith. Not what you've seen someone else do. Not somebody else's faith. God has committed Himself to honor your faith. Say it with me. God has committed Himself to honor my faith. Know that. He has. Don't think you're down here by yourself. He looks upon the circle of the earth and He gave you a very distinct voice. You know why? Because when you talk, He wants to know it's you. He knows it's you. See, He identifies you with your voice. Well, that's John. Listen to him. I hear him. Can you imagine all the millions and billions of voices going up into the Father's throne? He knows everyone. Is He big? Is He infinite in wisdom? Is he talented? Does he have ability? Oh, can you imagine it? 
But when you make a sound, since you only have one, your sound is one distinct sound and voice, he knows it's you, you've spoken out. Well, he's honor, he has committed himself to honor your faith. He has. Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. And he's committed himself to honor our faith. So remember that. Remember that. He's honoring your faith. So get into the Word. Go through these steps and realize that you can have a productive life of faith. But also know this. Faith, as I said, deals with the unseen realm. Because by definition, faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. It deals with the unseen realm. It is bringing into the realm of reality the unrealities of hope. That's what it's doing. But while we keep it, maintain a steadfast look at the unseen realm, then it will bring those things into this realm here in which we live. Know that it's dealing with the unseen realm. It is not dealing with the realm of the five physical senses. Once we see the desired result with our five physical senses, with our eye and feel and touch, it ceases to be revelation faith. It is now physical reality. There's no longer any need to believe. The believing part and all that we just talked about involves the unseen realm. The moment whatever you ask God for materializes in the seen realm, faith ends. I see it. It has created or recreated or healed or delivered. It has done the job. The job is complete. It's finished. It's no longer faith. It is now a physical reality. So faith then is taking the unrealities of hope and bringing them into the, real, the, the, the realm of reality through this process that we just talked about. And you know what? He's challenging our hearts. If you have faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Oh, thanks, Lord. <laughs> if you have the ability to look beyond your five physical senses and see in the spirit realm all those things that are out there, and then hold fast without wavering, without doubting, nothing shall be impossible unto you. So now go ahead and do it. What a challenge. Amen. Are you up to the challenge? Hallelujah. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.